1: The doctor is in. They call him
2: Clipper, Clipper, faster than lightning. No one you see is smarter
0: than he. And autism, I think, is a prime candidate where we've seen just a skyrocketing autism rate. Nobody knows exactly why. There's some people who are suspicious that it's connected to vaccines and triggers. The science right now is inconclusive, but we have to research it. I understand that there are families that in some cases are concerned about the effect of vaccinations. The science is pretty indisputable. There is every reason to get vaccinated. There aren't reasons to not
1: all right we start some advanced medicine with dr rasha Battar with flipper or otherwise known as barack obama the candidate then the president initially do you remember that dr Battar, by chance that he was actually kind of on board going yeah there's some things we're not sure the vaccines people are saying it do you, do you recall that
2: i actually didn't um really follow that that part of it robert so i honestly can't say uh that i do i know that there were many things that As far as flip-flopping, yes, but I didn't realize about the vaccines. I didn't even know that he'd made an opinion or had an opinion on the relationship between vaccines and autism. So I didn't. Yeah, there
1: were were enough of his so-called supporters that wanted to see him win. Many of them are the same people we know today, the thinking moms that that were putting information like they did for Michelle Bachman. Even Hillary Clinton had said, you know, four, eight years ago, oh, wait, maybe we should look into this. Now, as you heard the record scratch, as of yesterday, he came out and said, Everybody should be. There's no question that they're 100%, and there's no reason not to, despite that. So I thought if President Obama could flip-flop on this, that we we could do that, too. Because, you know, listen, the president, he's an example. So right now on the Robert Schabell show, I'm going to come out and say vaccines are not dangerous. They're not harmful. They don't kill you. How's that? Hey, whatever floats
2: your boat, man.
1: <laughs> You're too easy. Well, it, here's here's the here's the new meme: vaccines don't kill people, doctors do.
2: Yeah, I think that's uh, that's probably a good place to start. I, you know, here's the thing, Robert: you yeah. know that I don't give doctors any quarter. Um, I right. hold them fully responsible. But it's really like uh, when they talk about the gun issue. Okay, that's, I think that's a good good analogy here. We talk about guns and how guns are dangerous and how we should uh, give up our gun rights in order to have a safer society and all those garbage arguments that are given from the uh, people that don't support gun rights, don't support the Second Amendment. But guns, as we've said before, guns don't kill people. It's people that kill people. And when you sit down and start looking at this, this is almost, I think we've even talked about this on the air, if I'm not mistaken, we've even said that, Equating guns or the right to possess a gun to people dying from gunshot wounds, uh, you know, unintentional gunshot wounds, and I think the, in, even in my book I have done the equation equations this to show how dangerous doctors are compared to, to guns. It was like a doctor was nine hundred and ninety-seven percent, or no, I'm sorry, nine hundred ninety-seven times, or I think it turns out to like ninety-nine thousand percent more, ninety-nine hundred percent more dangerous than a doc than a than a gun. And right. more likely to kill you. So equating this, equating guns to being dangerous is like equating a spoon as responsible for obesity, and that's just ludicrous. You can't blame the spoon right. on, you know, you can't say that the, the reason we're all obese as a nation is because we have too many spoons, and it's the spoon's fault. We should confiscate all spoons, and we should put them all up. Blah blah blah. Well, the vaccines, again, same thing. The principle of vaccination, we've talked about this over and over again. I'm not against it, you're not against it, but how we do it, the indiscriminate use of vaccinations and the doctors that are responsible for uh, for doing that. Some people say, well, it's not the doctor's fault, it's the fault, and it's the government's fault for pushing that. Uh, well, I think the doctors are the, they're the vehicle by
1: which yeah.
2: this uh, this atrocity is being committed. And it is sure. not necessarily the fault of the vehicle, but the vehicle is still responsible. I mean, they've got their own minds. They're the ones that are people trusting the government and they're not trusting big pharma. They're trusting the doctors. And so when the doctor says it, they take it as the, uh, you know, God's spoken word. The,
1: well, the, God, the gospel truth, in other words. And, and so if we come back to that concept, uh, I, I remember reading a quote of Dr. James Shannon. I think he was with NIH or some higher-up government medical instit- research institution. And uh, Liam Sheff may remember this. I don't know. we got to bring him in here. But he said, the only safe vaccine is a vaccine that is never used. You know, Case in point, vaccines, inert, just stay in there, even if there's nasty stuff in them. They don't do anything until you inject them. And at that point, the danger is on, the death and mayhem is on. Uh, Liam Sheff, back on the Robert Scadbell Show, reconnecting with our good friend Dr. Batar. Liam, are you there? I'm here. Do you you remember that quote by James Shannon, or was just that my memory of something I've looked at over the years?
0: I remember hearing the quote. Hmm. Okay. Uh You know, I have a slightly darker vision, uh, a a slightly darker view on this than all of you. I'm amazed at. at, See, I I look at this. I look at the culture from maybe a slightly different perspective. A little, I I pull back. I pull back, and I try to include as much history as I can. Right, and I I try to include the Victorian era and the eras before. And if you look at the ages that came right before the Victorian era comes right before us, the anti-vaccine movement was huge. It, it was very potent, very powerful. The and you know they called it blood poisoning back then. And they said, "Well, we don't want this." And one of my favorite playwrights, uh, George Bernard Shaw, J.B. Shaw, wrote *Pygmalion* and other light classics. Um, was on record among other people saying things like uh, that vaccination or whatever they would call it at the time a horrible was a horrible reversion, as horrible a reversion to the most degraded and abominable forms of tribal ritual. Not to knock tribal ritual, which ought to have been made a criminal offense after the great epidemic of 1871. So he's talking about the smallpox epidemic that came about, and they all really understood this because they were in, injecting blood and pus. They were injecting, they were stab, they were stabbing blood and pus in, into people's limbs. The the um, what's it called? The amputation rate went up. Smallpox death rate went up. You know,
1: sepsis. And, and people were. Was, yeah, I, I read that as well. That they were actually. A, it was a violent revolution against the vaccinators. They would throw them out. I mean, literally, they would become criminals to the eyes of the of the public at that time.
2: Well, you know, what's yeah, interesting? Another is that the thing that, that uh, Don sent out that I didn't realize was Mahatma Gandhi's quote. That uh, this says almost a century ago, but Mahatma Gandhi said, "Vaccination is a barbarous practice and one of one of the most fatal of all delusions current in our time." Conscious. I'm sorry. Conscientious objectors to vaccination should stand alone, if need be, against the whole world in defense of their conviction. And this is what this is a direct quote from Mahatma Gandhi, and that's pretty amazing. I had no idea that even that far back, and of course, the teamster went back in the '70s. I didn't even know there were conscientious objectors back then. I thought this was just something a phenomena.
1: But that's how effective they've they've erased history and rewritten it. Case in point: Why Liam digs so deep into that history, and you know what I've tried to do over the years in radio and broadcasting as well, because I had to unlearn the things I was taught to realize. Oh my gosh, they took an eraser to almost everything, you know. Yeah. And, and now, of course, we we're revealing these things once again. Yeah, that's
2: actually interesting a because from a strategy standpoint, it makes sense that if you can take away the history and you can make people feel like. Or, or the, the goal is that he's trying to make people feel like that they are um, the potential of creating that illusion in the person's mind that you're just a, a whack job, you're a quack, you're a, you know, you, you obviously don't know it because if there had been a problem, somebody would have brought it up sometime in the past. But of course, if you've erased the history, then all those conscientious objectors have been erased, as you said. And so there's nothing to fall back on. But this is so critical from a historical perspective. And honestly, I had no idea we were going to talk about this today. So, Mm. This, is, this is a show that actually, um, I'm, I'm actually glad this show is taking place, but something that nobody's mentioned,
1: mm-hmm.
2: this marks our anniversary. You do know February 2nd, this is when we started five years ago.
1: That's right. Yeah, we, we are kicking into our fifth year since we launched uh, five days a week, of course, uh, Dr. Pitar and Anchor Part, and we had talked about before launching that, you know, having you on board was a critical part of it, and your support over the years has been phenomenal and where we've been able to take it. Reaching out into the realm of of the new media and even some of the old media picking up on what we are doing all these years later.
2: Yeah, I didn't know whether you were going to bring this up or not. But February second is the day that actually, at least I joined the show. I don't know when when you joined five days. That was
1: it. That was that was the launch day.
2: Oh, was it? Okay, I, I thought I came on a couple of weeks afterwards. I didn't realize that. Well, that's that's good. Um, but the thing is that to have this show, it's interesting that we didn't plan for anything on this show to be anything different, but. To be talking about this and and the 1870 history and mm-hmm. Mahatma Gandhi's objection to his to, to the vaccination aspect, um, this is all news to me. This is all new information that I wasn't aware of, and so it makes sense that this is a this would be a perfect uh, anniversary of our show that. Even the people on the shore are learning something. So that's really Well, good. and
1: that that's the thing. We try to, to learn something new every week. And, of course, Liam's bringing back the history that went out of style a long time ago, Liam, and I appreciate you for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's in the book. Uh, it's an official story. It's, it's there. It's at whale.to online. The, the anti-vaccine movement started as soon as Edward Jenner, uh, or it started before. It started when Louis Pasteur was... Doing, you know, crazy stuff—grinding up dead animal brains, injecting it, and, and shoving it into the craniums of other animals into their stomachs. It was just—it's—it's it's a strange form of ritualistic kind of voodoo. And because you do it in a laboratory, and because you heat some things or grow some things with other cells or <laughs> fight a hemagglutinin or whatever you want to stimulate a cell culture with. And because most people don't know that you can do that, you're the magician. And then you tell them that it's perfect. And then they say, well, what about polio? And, you know, and we fixed polio. But they don't tell you that they sprayed DDT on the entire U.S. population in the polio years. They don't tell you that. Why would they? They don't need to tell you that. You, you need to distrust them. So, you know, you know, I, I made a little, I make all these little jokey Facebook things that, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I do. Uh, and I took the one, remember Enigo Montoya from The Princess Yes, Bride. in fact,
1: I was just going to bring that up. I've included it in today's show notes. Everybody go to robertscatbell.com and see Liam Sheff's latest meme. It says, uh, Inigo Montoya from, uh, what was that movie called? The, the Princess, Princess Bride. Bride. Yeah, you keep using that expression, peer review. I do not think that it means what you think it means. What <laughs> does it mean? What does it mean? We're going to come back. Dr. Batar, Advanced Medicine, each and every week, the Medical Rewind, medicalrewind.com, if you miss it. And Liam will tell us what it really is meaning. In reality, man, we're having a great fifth anniversary show already. We'll be right back.
0: Um, Can you repeat the part of the stuff where
2: you said all about the things?
1: It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert will be right back.
2: Rocking the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show.
1: All right, great discussion on this Advanced Medicine Monday. Five years uh, starting. Uh, Here we go. Anniversary time with Dr. Rasha Bittar. Liam Sheff has joined us as well. And Dr. Bittar, I mean, again, I love digging the history like this, but nobody better at researching it in many ways Uh, Liam talking about the anti-vaccination history that has been wiped from history, and they're acting, as the mainstream media does, in defense of the medical cartels, as if this is a one-off. This is an anomaly. The few parents that are screaming out, or that doctor we interviewed last hour, Dr. Jack Wilson, they're the anomaly, but it turns out, not so much, not so fast.
2: Yeah, and I think that highlighting that, the historical perspective, is something that I never even thought about before, Robert. It's something that really should be done. In fact, the information that uh, Liam's book talks about, the history of medicine, and that um, the tie brings up also with the uh, medical education component—how that whole process started and how it actually uh, creates the implications today—we see the seed having been planted over 100 years ago in order to create this monstrosity that we've created now, which is. Directly or indirectly affecting every person on the planet. Um, I think the historical perspective is actually the key. And in fact, this gives me an idea that I think we should talk about off the air. Sure. Um, But uh, I don't want to say anything because we we know we have friends in in other places that listen to us, right? Well, we have
1: big fans. We have big fans at the Fear and Death Administration, especially.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'd rather uh, do the shock and awe rather than talk about our plans of what we're going to do, because this is this a is very, very focused and clear idea in my mind. We'll talk yeah. about that at
1: the bottom of the hour. Liam, how, how controlling uh, you know, is, is this? All of the, the anger that's coming out, they're, they're trying to pit parent against parent, as you've been seeing this even a more concentrated way recently over the measles. I mean, never uh, you know, let a crisis go to waste. Uh, anything different about the way it's playing out right now?
0: No, no. What, what, again, when the when the medieval um, uh, church, when the, when the medieval church was up against critics for just essentially running, you know, there were essentially got a lot of guys being priests running brothels uh, and taking indulgences, you know, taking gold and silver coins from people to get into heaven or to promise them to get into heaven. Uh, the general population in the fourteen hundreds, fifteen hundreds, got a little sick of that, and they said, "Well, we've had enough. You know, you've st- you've stolen enough from us." At that point, the priesthood got smart. Uh, one, maybe two. Probably one monk wrote a book called the Malleus Malificarum, which is the Hammer of the Witches. And he decided that he was in charge uh, among, uh, along with the other priests and monks and abbeys and you know prelates, of finding this scourge of witchery that existed, <laughs> that existed in the general population of Europe. They're, Robert, there were witches, and they <laughs> flew on broomsticks, and you a had to witch. be very careful. And they, they might be among you. So you had to immediately, because we were pointing the, they were pointing the finger at the power structure. The power structure pointed the finger back and said, "Among you, hidden among you, mm-hmm. is a witch." Now be very careful. You have to just go find the witches now. And everybody, guess what? They turned inward and they started chewing on each other, trying to figure out who the witches were. And meanwhile, the you know very corrupt medieval Catholic Church <laughs> went along selling plenary indulgences and making money. So that's the way it goes.
1: Well, and that's what we're seeing here with, uh, you know, the media fomenting this kind of fear and anger against the witches. Who are the witches now? The parents who are questioning vaccines, who have witnessed their children being taken from them via this injection. When the vaccines that are used, that's when they become harmful. And Dr. Bittar, again, you have been you know in the medical profession for many years. You've been helping people out. A lot of people have been waking up. And I don't think that uh, we're alone and isolated necessarily, but they'd like to have that perception reign so we would live in this fear and cower in fear?
2: Yeah, I think that when a force, a greater force, captures an enemy, uh, what they call, you know, the op for the enemy, the first thing they want to do is they want to divide the enemy up so that the enemy cannot communicate with each other because, uh, you know, they can plan, they can escape, they can do whatever. And I think this is part of the parcel of the hierarchy. They're basically trying to divide up uh, individuals or, or people of the same life-mindedness by creating more of an isolationist type mentality by, you know, creating that fear that, as Liam said, the witches, you know, not nobody's going to be talking about openly their fear because they're afraid that they're going to be accused of being a witch uh, or, or being a, you know, a heretic or whatever you want to call it. And so they're trying to create oppression from within, and I think this type of uh, information that we're putting out... Helps other people to realize the commonality of what our of what the truth really is, and the historical perspective of how deep it actually goes. Right. This is really really good. This is this is a great show so far. I think.
1: Yes, you're not alone. And Leah Sheff is with us, Dr. Bittar, MedicalRewind.com, and of course all the other places to hear the podcast. We'll find out what peer review really means. If you haven't seen the the meme of Intigo Manoia. I can't say it right. (laughs)
0: Live around the world. The Robert Robert Scott Scott Bell 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 Show.
2: Robert Scott Bell, taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert.
1: Hello. My name is Nego Montoya. You killed my father. Oh, Inigo Montoya. I got that wrong. What did you wrong. say?
0: You said, like, Amigo I, it, Toyota or something? What was it?
1: Intigo Manoya, I think I oh, said. Oh, okay.
0: All right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was way off. I'm sorry. Oh, Dr. Batar, Liam Sheff, all together again. We're talking some great stuff even off the air. Uh, boy, boy, that we can do some things. But in this meme, Liam, and, and I don't think you've seen it, Dr. Bittar, but if you go to the website, you, you'll see it there. It's got the Inigo Montoya guy. And you said you keep using this expression, peer review. I do not think that it means what you think it means. But, Liam, can you describe well, the, or explain what you mean by that?
0: Yeah, well, the movie's funny, right? So yeah. uh, the movie is Rob Reiner movie, and N- Mandy Patinkin was in it, and he, say, he always says, <laughs> Burrito, Burrito LaToya says, uh, <laughs> he says he says to Wallace, Wallace Shawn's in it, and Wallace Sean keeps saying, that's inconceivable, that's inconceivable, right? Yeah. So uh, Mandy Patinkin and Diego Matoya says, you keep using that expression. You keep using that expression. You don't think that means what you think it means. So I hear peer review all the time. Now, I have a very different view of, of peer review because I read, read history, read about the 19th, 20th century, 18th, 17th, 16th, 15th, 13th, 12th, 11th, 10th, 9th. you read about history, right? So when you read about that, you realize that there was a church and there were priests and prelates, and they peer-reviewed stuff. Uh, you know, essentially they sat and argued about what was the truth. Now, nobody now would say that it's actually, well, no scientist would say that it's literally historically true, all the stuff that they argued about, but they thought it was true because they agreed that it was. But since the 18-something, you know, the Industrial Revolution, peer review when it came around meant, we're the guys in charge. We're using oil and petroleum and petroleum byproducts. So it occurred to me that a great, a very important service we could do for the human uh, species, especially the North American, uh, you know, internet-using intelligentsia, would be to come up with a list of things that was actually peer-reviewed that maybe wasn't such a good idea. And I put together a short list.
1: Okay, Eugenics.
0: Okay. The eugenics movement, for example, that was a huge hit in the first half of the century. They brought it over to Germany, made a big number out of it, you might have heard about that. World War II. Nuclear weapons, there's another one, peer reviewed, very popular with some people. Fluoride, peer reviewed. Thimerosal, or otherwise known as mercury, peer reviewed. DDT, peer reviewed all over the place. Agent Orange, certainly got the review of its peers to be used in <laughs> weapons overseas.
1: Mm. Just
0: ask the Vietnamese people how many cases of uh, spinal bifida they have. Glyphosate, peer reviewed. Chernobyl, nuclear power again, peer reviewed. Fukushima, peer reviewed. Mercury fillings, hey, we agree that mercury fillings are perfectly safe. They're in the mouth. What harm could they do there? AZT, used in the gay population, killed hundreds of thousands of gay men, peer-reviewed radiation for cancer. Peer-reviewed. That's Mary, Cur- Mary Currier, her husband. They're dead. They died of radiation poisoning. But they would have given a thumbs up if they weren't dead from radiation. Uh, what can we tell you? Mercury everywhere that you go is peer-reviewed. I just want to put that out there as a lovely pre-Valentine's Day gift to the Internet.
2: It's all peer reviewed. Well, here's the problem, though, Liam. Some of these things that you use examples of, though, they still consider them to be acceptable, like ADT, chemo, radiation. You know, nobody, uh, it, it, it's weirdos like us that are opposed to it, but <laughs> mainstream still says, oh, it's completely acceptable. <laughs> so I think a better, I think a better example of things that are peer reviewed that not even the conventional side of the house agrees is, you know, certainly was a mistake. Our drugs like VIOX that killed fifty-five thousand people before that's taken off the market. Yet FDA-approved double-blind placebo-controlled crossover, center, you know, multi-centered trials done and peer-reviewed, et cetera, et cetera. But even the conventional side of the house now says that, that was wrong. So that those types of examples, and actually, all you have to do is watch late-night TV and watch the commercials of the attorneys that are telling uh, or soliciting new clients for some drug that is now off the market that has caused all these. You've had uh, you know X, Y, and Z symptoms, and you know you've got a history of uh, you know myasthenia gravis, and you've been on such and such drug. Contact you know whatever this attorney's law firm is, and free offer you may be entitled to damages. Blah blah blah. You know what I'm talking about. Every night I think it's on late night. Sure. some drug. <laughs> mm-hmm. So those are probably the better examples, rather than using the examples that we're talking about that you just talked about, because. So a lot of people say, well, exactly, that's my point. They are peer-reviewed and this fine. There's nothing wrong with chemo and radiation and ADT and
1: yeah, well, uh, you know, if they're under that delusion, not a lot we can do to help them. That's true.
2: But a lot, uh, a lot well, we, no, we, can. we can help them. We can tell them. We can encourage them to get the APT, chemo, and radiation and eliminate themselves. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, there is that. That's true. There is that. Uh, oh, my gosh. But, you know, if, if we look at where this is going, guess what? Why are they screaming bloody murder over the vaccine issue? Because it's the one issue where attorneys can't advertise at night, have you been harmed by this vaccine? It's the one area they can kill and maim, do whatever they want, and they're still going to get their money. And the drugs are dangerous, and they know it. They lose a lot due to these lawsuits eventually. So very much what Liam says in that, in that meme at the end, he says, peer review means that it makes money for the military, industrial, petrol, pharmaceutical industry, period, end of line. So why are they going to vaccines? They've been absolved. Yeah, I
2: think because they've got, they've got so many cool laws in place that would make a person uh, they would have to be questioned as to their status as a patriot because they would be violating things that have been passed in the Patriot Act. I have no idea what uh, the the um, vaccine industry, why they would be protected and why there's language in the Patriot Act that says that a pharmaceutical company can't be too because of the vaccine um, manufacturing practices or what they're manufacturing. But I think that might have been rescinded i don 't know whether that's true or not, but I know that in the original Patriot Act, that was one of the things that they passed alongside with it in a tax right. bill that that vaccine manufacturers could not be sued so these types of uh, tactics I think that allow vaccine manufacturers to be protected more so than perhaps pharmaceutical. Uh,
1: well, then the drug you know, manufacturers, drug they don't, they don't, they're not indemnified, but they are on the vaccine side of things. And, you know, tying it into Patriot Act and other things, we have a, an emergency or a rule of necessity and, you know, you start learning about Vattel, Law of Nations stuff, you you realize things like the, the rule of necessity has no law. So you can be under the illusion that there's a constitution that protects the people from government, but it's an emergency. That's what the Patriot Act was. That's what rendition yeah. is. It's an emergency. We've got to torture. It's an emergency. If we don't, everybody's going to die. And under that guise of constant necessity, there is no longer rule. No rule of law, if you will.
2: Yeah, that's a very, very good point. It's You know, the pretense of Protecting the public—that's how a lot of these agencies get their power. Is especially when it comes to healthcare, the FDA, the medical mm-hmm. boards—it's because they're protecting the public. Um, and I think it's again the pretense of the you know protection of the public, and that's how they get the power. Right. And we allow them to get away with it. So that's a very very good point.
1: There's an article up at Epic Times based on what happened uh, with Chris Christie today. He's over in England touring something to try and export pharmaceuticals back to the UK, back to the mother country. And he was asked about the measles outbreak in America, and he actually was a little bit softer, not as hardline as we heard Obama moments ago, uh, about saying, well, yeah, there are some issues, but it should ha- the parents should have a say in this, right? He didn't come out and said it because he also said, but in the end, the government gets a say. And then he was pilloried in the press instantly over this, and his people had to back down on it. And I was quoted in saying that, you know, people in, in the quest for, you know, immunological security, however fleeting and false that it is, they're willing to give up the freedom to say no to government approved toxic injections. Uh, they are willing to just, you know, sacrifice their children. Many are no longer willing to do that. Many, many more than we realize, I believe, and that's what we're seeing happen now.
2: Yeah, I think that as time goes on and we've talked about this over the years, Robert, the mm-hmm. increased consciousness, the, the universal consciousness being uh heightened and more people becoming aware and less people wanting to be part of the sheeples camp and actually starting to think on their own. And I, I think we're in that we're in that third phase of all truth. You know, the first phase of all truth is ridicule, the second one is a violent opposition and the third one is having accepted it as always being reality and i think we're we're at that cusp between the second and third Mm -hmm. and uh, i think closer to the third where you know they will have to at some point admit that you know they, they know this is all untrue the problem is public just doesn't have enough information so when you start looking at books like sherry Tempany's book where she talks about all the constituents within the vaccines and any person who spends the time to read that part and this is information from the cdc directly you know uh, available, it's not something that's hidden. The The f- logical question is, why in the world are we getting all these different DNA addicts and mutated human cell lines and various DNA components from various other species and monkey brain and dog kidneys and all this stuff? Why? What's the purpose of that? It doesn't make any sense. And that's how you stimulate the brain to start now, actively thinking on its own and and leave the uh, camp of the sheepfold and actually mm-hmm. start becoming more autonomous and i think that that's we're in that phase we're, we're getting very very close to that transition between the second and third violent opposition to having accepted it as, as always being the truth
1: liam have, have there been any rest points in eternity when we saw little pockets of this kind of consciousness break out for a short period of time i i realized that you know there's a long sordid history of humanity doing horrible things to other humans and even children we cover them here unfortunately we have to uh but you know any evidence at a certain point there's pushback a, a, a mini golden age at any point
0: it was there in a mini-Golden Age. There was considered a Golden Age in Athens, and I'm not going to be able to remember the date. If I say it's in the 400s, somebody will correct me and say it was in the 5 or the 3s, but I'm going to say mm-hmm. it's in the 400s. Um, it wasn't, though. It was probably the 3s. Uh, and the Golden Age consisted of uh, Pericles of Athens deciding that he was going to make Athens of that era the most beautiful place in the world. He was criticized. Uh, he had a Parthenon designed that had subtly curving lines so that no matter how you look at it, it always looks perfectly geometrical. You can't tell there are any curves. It's astounding. Um, Everybody agreed that he was great. Now, he then decided that for Athens to really prove that it was great, it had to go to war with Sparta, and then it got lost in like a 25, uh, 27-year-old, 27-year civil war that totally destroyed the the city-state. By the way, during that golden period, um, women had no vote, (laughs) and and really weren't much more than household slaves, uh, and it was more appropriate for men to date uh, you know, boys who were coming of age. So that's considered a golden age. So does that answer your question?
1: <laughs> well, no, I ask it seriously, because obviously uh, you know, on one level, we do have evidence of people seeing through the garbage they've suffered enough, and they're wanting to do something better, something different, no longer being enslaved on some level or maybe every level we can be aware of. I'm not naive about this, but I will say and acknowledge that there's evidence of some shift taking place here. And we're doing it with Dr. Bittar. But (laughs) we'll come back. We'll find out about it, all right? Stand by. we got one more segment, Advanced Medicine. Dr. Rashid Bittar, MedicalRewind.com, if you ever miss an episode, easy way to get to it. And RobertScottBell.com for all of the links.
2: Who'd you say that masked man was? It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Robert Scott Bell. Here I come to save the day. out of medical propaganda here's robert
1: all right if you want to link through at the show notes at RobertScoutbell.com, you'll also find dr batar's international best-selling book the nine steps to keep the doctor away uh which by the way thanks for sending me that box i was at a health fair and i, I put it up as a, a you know one of the books as a giveaway so we got the spotlight and talk about you this past weekend dr batar which is great of course official stories by liam chef many more things to come from him and a, a great episode of advanced medicine this is for me, a healing ministry. I mean, this is what I live, eat, sleep, and breathe, to bring this kind of healing back or the power to heal, the power to see through these things, and then you get to decide what you want to do with it.
2: The information has, uh, I think, made an impact in enough people's lives, Robert, that we know that we've, we've uh, even if it just impacts one person, as we said before, even if it just impacts one person a week, it, it's well worth the time and the effort. And um, I, for one, certainly appreciate you and Don. I'm uh, making it so much easier for me to get on and say whatever two cents worth that I have to say, and be <laughs> able to say it no matter that allows the world to you know hear at least that opinion, and and if that helps somebody, then uh, you know I'm I'm grateful.
1: One, one of these weeks, we're going to put you on show planning and prep, and then we'll just show up and hang out with you. Yeah.
2: <laughs> 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 well, I think that you told me that in all your years of radio. I mean, I'm the I'm the least. Prepared person, isn't that or something like that you said.
1: Yeah, I didn't know I was gonna tell the public that, but you've just done oh. that. Okay, go ahead.
2: Okay. <laughs> I mean, we 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 literally do not plan anything. I mean we I, I get a I get a message from you saying, Hey, what number should I call you at? And that's how we start the show, and that's it. Well we try fun. to. I
1: mean, Don, we work on these things, we send you stuff, and it's like no, I didn't read the email. No, I didn't open it. I couldn't find it. <laughs> we yeah, just well, go. today
0: today I sent it twice and forwarded it once. So apparently that, that did the it, trick. That's
1: the trick. Yeah, send it twice. Well, it. To,
2: last week and this week, I told you guys that I got it. I didn't say that I read it. I just said Yes, I got it. you got uh. it. Exactly.
1: So, so look out, Liam. When you're sending something to, to Batar, you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I, mean, I, don't,
2: yeah, I, don't, I tell people, I tell them on purpose right off the bat, you know. If they're going to send me an email, I get over a thousand emails a day. I I don't even know. I, there's no way I could go through it. So if it's something that's important, I always have them send it to my assistant because that way she'll
1: she'll point it up. out to you. Okay. All right. Just so duly noted. Duly noted. Don, if we don't... really need to get them something.
0: So Robert, I I want to come back on and talk about this uh, novel I'm writing.
1: The the novel. Oh, you're writing a novel. Yeah. This is a, yeah. is this your first really major work of fiction, so to speak.
0: Yes. It despite what the the few critics of official stories who didn't want to hear it say yes yes okay <laughs> yeah it's uh uh you know I've been talking a lot about the history of the anthropological history and the the s word sex uh so it's really about that it's it's a it's a semi auto it's a fictionalized autobiography of about ten years ago in my life and everybody that I knew, and a lot of changes and nobody will you know it's not exactly me and it's not exactly them, but I wanted to tell a story that was true. Uh, as I, as I do all the research about it, you know the anthropological stuff. It it shook my, my memory cage open, and you know I just remembered a lot. It was it's been fun to write. So I hope to come back and talk about that.
1: Well, oh, yeah, and also it'll, the medical it'll, kidnap it'll stuff. Your audience. Yeah, but the medical kidnap stuff. Can, you've been through some of these things. You've you've blown stories wide open on some of these things that we're covering now. So there's a lot more to do. And uh, all the, doctor, the
0: dark but, stuff.
1: Yeah,
0: it, I mean, yeah, the medical I just, kidnapping is is right. Right in my history book It's right there in official stories disgusting and it happens. it's happens. it been happening for decades
1: Yeah, Dr. Batar, we're now covering stories out of Arizona For instance, where Child Protective Services Taking children from families From moms and dads Because the hospitals and the doctors there Have committed overt medical malpractice And they realize by taking the children Out of the possession of the parents They no longer have grounds or standing To sue on malpractice issues Wow Yeah
2: so you're saying that, right? You're saying that by just taking the child away, the parent can't sue now for malpra- for malpractice.
1: That is correct because it, it no longer are they in their custody, and without the custody, you know, there's nothing. The state now holds them, and so the state's not going to sue based on malpractice. The state licenses the doctors who malpractice, so we're seeing this collusion and corruption to protect a very dangerous medical complex, a profit a hospital for, for profit center, and we're seeing this pattern emerge, uh, at least for us to see it emerge, uh, much more uh, frequently. Uh, the pattern is very clear now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, with that, man, what a great show. Five years entering our fifth year. Thank you, Liam, for joining us today. That was a lot of fun.
0: Thanks for having me on.
1: All right, Dr. Batar, as always. Thank you for helping us put this healing ministry out to the world as we do each and every week.
2: Oh, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to do so, Robert.
1: Well, what do we got to tell? What do we got to tell them?
2: That the power to heal is yours.
1: Yes, it is, my friends. Back tomorrow. Thanks for being here. The Robert Scott the Bell, Robert
2: Bell Show. Scott Bell Show.